On this episode of Five Things, I'll tackle the uber common question of what video editing software should I learn? By sharing the truth about video editing software here in Hollywood. Who uses what? Why do they use it? And for how long? Buckle up. Hello and welcome to another episode of Five Things, a web series dedicated to answering the five burning tech questions that you have about technologies and workflows in the media creation space, plus tech stuff I dig and how it's used. I'm your host, Michael Thomas. Nonlinear editing has been around for over 40 years, but it didn't become commonplace in Hollywood, that is, being used for feature film and broadcast television until the early 90s. So that's where I'll start. But before I start, I do need to set a disclaimer. I also work for Keycode Media, who sells many of the tech solutions that I talk about on Five Things. And wouldn't you know it, we sell a heck of a lot of Avid and things that play with Avid, including Adobe and Apple for that matter. I don't want any of you to think that I'm a paid shill, so I got clearance from this guy. Michael, we have known each other for many years, but this is the first time you've come to me for counsel or for help. I can't remember the last time you've invited me to your house for a cup of coffee even though I've employed you for nine years. You may do this episode without any pressure from me. Now kiss the ring. A large part of understanding one's popularity is to examine why it's popular. And that requires sharing the most brief of history lessons. Okay, do you remember a time before internet connected cell phones? Now, try and remember how our daily lives changed when most everyone had one of these devices. It was a definite shift in how we consumed media. Now, imagine that only with the creation side of media. This was Hollywood in the early 90s. Digital video cameras were still very new and limited to standard definition. There were many companies toying with building digital editing software, but none really took hold. That is, until Avid Media Composer came along in the early 90s. By building a digital editing platform based on the terminology and methodology the experienced film editors knew, Avid was able to make the industry adoption of their technology much easier. Thus, we already have two reasons Media Composer was popular. It appealed to the sensibilities of the user base, and it was one of the few solutions out there. Avid also built their ecosystem, including not only their own shared storage, but having the top audio editing system in the industry, Pro Tools from then DigiDesign, giving users a complete solution tech partner to work with. We call this the one-throat-to-choke paradigm. By the time other NLEs were in a usable state for film and TV projects, Avid had a massive head start. This meant a decent-sized user base in the Hollywood market, facility infrastructures, and thus lots of money already invested in hardware and software that were built around Avid Media Composer in addition to workflows that incorporated both legacy film-based materials, tape acquisition, and newer digital formats. Avid also had project sharing by the early aughts, something that only recently are other NLEs getting right. For all of these reasons, Avid had the Hollywood market cornered. And all of this played into one of the greatest untold truths about Hollywood technology. Hollywood is predominantly risk-adverse. If something worked last season, well, why change it for this season? Changing it messes with budgets and timelines and generally upsets the natives. How would you feel about making a change? We fear change. 
And that's why today, Avid is still used on a vast majority of all feature films and broadcast television here in Hollywood. Existing customer investment in infrastructure, experienced talent pool both available and already on staff, documented workflows with other departments, a complete ecosystem, and a risk-adverse industry. If you plan on getting a job tomorrow out in Hollywood, working in broadcast, television, or feature film, Media Composer needs to be your strongest software tool. Initially, I was going to share why Final Cut Pro Classic was popular, but then I realized that it now holds little relevance, as the software has been end-of-life for six years now. Let that sink in. In the past six years, we've had two presidential elections, three Transformers movies, 11 iPhone models, and we could have gone to Mars and back three times. Now, there are, of course, some Final Cut Pro Classic holdouts. But why don't we cut through a little bit of Apple history and look at Final Cut Pro 10? Final Cut Pro 10 got out of the gates miserably. Its predecessor, Final Cut Pro, had gained prominence in the industry, and many broadcast TV facilities in Hollywood had switched over to or had been started as a direct result of the low cost of entry for the software. That being said, although common, Classic was still in the minority in Hollywood compared to Media Composer when Final Cut Pro 10 was launched. Estimates vary. But to say 15 to 20% of TV posts was cut on Classic would not be a stretch. 10 lacked many features of Classic, and many of its features went against the editing methodology that most professional film and TV editors were accustomed to. It also meant that many of the workflows, hardware, and technology that made them efficient were now in question. Apple's launch of Final Cut Pro 10 also meant Final Cut Pro Classic was killed and that caused many facilities to instantly see their investment in infrastructure have a finite shelf life. Facilities now had two choices, throw caution into the wind and gamble on brand new software which lacked the things that they knew, or move to another platform, which could be expensive in terms of hardware, software, and tech infrastructure, as well as retraining the talent that they had on staff. This uh, was slightly upsetting for the industry. And thus, the awesome power that Final Cut Pro 10 had, and still has, was eclipsed by the product launch. This stalled the adoption considerably. By 2017, the price point for powerful standalone NLE systems, both hardware and software, were around the same price, give or take. This was not the case 15 years prior, when Media Composer was tens of thousands of dollars more expensive, and one of the main reasons users flocked to Final Cut Pro Classic in the first place. Now, cost is not as much of an issue. It's only recently that Hollywood has dipped its toe in the Final Cut Pro 10 water. Only a few feature films, including Focus and Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, have been cut on it. In stark contrast to Avid, Apple seems to enjoy adoption success into markets outside of Hollywood. And from a purely financial perspective, this makes sense. There are many more editors and hobbyists outside of the Hollywood market than professional editors in it. Thus, Final Cut 10 in Hollywood broadcast television and feature film projects is in the extreme minority, with only a little upwards momentum in the industry. Adobe Premiere has been around almost as long as Avid Media Composer, but it wasn't until a rewrite around 2003 that Adobe renamed it Premiere Pro and Adobe simultaneously expanded their reach from the consumer market to a more professional one. And when I say professional, I mean professional markets outside of Hollywood. 
It wasn't until the next decade that Premiere Pro finally made inroads into the Hollywood market. And what was that event? It's what I like to call the Final Cut Pro fog. Apple killed Final Cut Pro Classic. And it left those facilities and users entrenched in it, lost and wondering what to do and where to go. Do they go back to Avid? Or do they look at what is most similar to Final Cut Pro Classic in terms of editing paradigm, hardware requirements, and talent pool? Enter Premiere Pro. Adobe pushed hard during the early days of Final Cut Pro X to grab the user base that felt abandoned by Apple. But it wasn't all smoke and mirrors. Adobe added more and more features to the product to further convey to the market that they were innovating. It also helped that After Effects and Photoshop were already a staple in the post community, and thus most facilities already owned, or should I say rented, Premiere Pro software. The rental model Adobe adopted also gave Adobe a way to push updates more often, without waiting for quarter's end or trade shows like NAB. This kept Adobe relevant and industry newsworthy. Lastly, Premiere Pro could run on the same system that ran Final Cut Pro Classic, or even Media Composer. Which brings us to present day, where Adobe continues to add features like team projects and shared projects to make collaboration seamless for those who've worked in Avid environments. Despite all this momentum and the development on the part of Adobe, adoption for feature film and broadcast television has been slow. Only a few TV shows, mostly cable, and a handful of feature films have been cut on Premiere Pro. Premiere has still not reached the Hollywood adoption rate of Final Cut Pro Classic, so we're looking at somewhere around 10%, but the gap is closing. By stark contrast, alternative professional markets and a massive chunk of indie films have moved to Premiere Pro. Premiere, while not nearly as relevant in feature film and broadcast television as Media Composer, is the second most utilized NLE in Hollywood, and you'd be wise to learn it as it becomes more and more widely adopted. There are many other alternatives that can edit a piece of video just fine. I'll address them here briefly, but to expect to get a job by concentrating on these in Hollywood is pretty foolish. First is Lightworks, which has been around as long as Avid. In that time, it's cut several huge films, including Pulp Fiction, Moulin Rouge, 28 Days Later, The King's Speech, and The Recent Wolf of Wall Street. It's got a free version and a paid version. While fantastic for the price point, it's still not making any new waves in the Hollywood market and I'm not aware of any current broadcast TV shows utilizing it. Edius, which had a decent footprint in the broadcast and TV news industry, has drastically lost market share over the past decade or so, mainly due to lackluster marketing and the proliferation of other tools, like Avid Media Composer, that are geared specifically towards that sector of the industry. As you can guess, it has virtually zero presence in Hollywood. Other apps, which are more consumer in nature, include Video Studio and Pinnacle Studio and HitFilm Express. Both are great for your kid's t-ball game, but they won't get you a job in Hollywood. Sony recently sold their consumer-based Vegas software, so now the trajectory of the software is in flux, in addition to not being used for much in the professional Hollywood realm. The one unique tool that I get asked about often is DaVinci Resolve, now owned by Blackmagic. Resolve has made massive strides in the TV and film industry thanks to a tremendously powerful and very inexpensive grading tool. The price point of free, or $1,000, now down to $300, is downright astonishing. Plus, unlike other professional NLE companies, there is not a rental fee. Recently, Blackmagic incorporated traditional creative editorial tools into Resolve, 
as well as a powerful audio engine via the acquisition of Fairlight. The latest version also has the ability for shared projects, considered by many to be the killer feature for professional film and TV post-production. However, as of now, the editorial site is so new that many folks are holding their breath to see what happens elsewhere. And will the superior grading of Resolve be enough to force editorial's hand to switch over? Or will Resolve remain in grading tool and only be used for editorial on smaller independent projects? When you start with nothing, it's easy to make great strides. So it'll be interesting to see how Blackmagic can innovate once the Resolve editorial features reach parity with the industry leaders. Ah yes, the question I get asked the most. First, let's look at Avid, a company in flux who has had financial reporting problems, has a stock price a tenth of what it was back in 2005, and has had significant layoffs. As for Media Composer, Avid needs to walk the line between overhauls and refreshes without alienating their current user base, who was traditionally less accepting of massive change, given that their livelihood depends on it. This stalls newer, younger users who can't identify with the user interface or operation. Yes, they dominate the film and TV space in Hollywood, but is that niche of the industry as a whole enough to sustain the company? Even if Avid as a company went away, it would make zero sense for the new owner to kill Media Composer, and with how risk-adverse Hollywood is, there'd be Media Composer systems running for many years to come. If your goal is to get a job in Hollywood in the next few years, there is zero reason not to get your Avid chops in order. As for Apple, they seem to be content for Final Cut Pro X to be used everywhere else but Hollywood. Ease of access via the App Store, a relatively low price point, and some really badass editing tools for the novice editor makes it a great tool in your editing toolkit. Do I see it ascending to the level that Final Cut Pro Classic had in Hollywood? No. The industry landscape is different from the early aughts, and the cost of entry across the board has become commodity priced. It wouldn't hurt to learn it, but it won't get you much work in feature film or broadcast television. Aside from bragging rights, I don't think Apple minds this. There is much more money to be had outside of Hollywood than in it, and they're already making money by selling most of Hollywood overpriced computers anyway. Adobe Premiere Pro, however, seems to be trending upward as an editorial tool more than anyone else in the industry. Updates are fast and furious, it runs on Mac or PC, and follows the common and comfortable editing paradigms that the industry was founded on. Its entire suite of tools also adds added functionality that you just don't find with other editorial solutions, and it's already installed on most machines due to their complete set of tools. Now, in the process of writing this episode, I took the opportunity to consult some fine colleagues in the industry to ensure I was on the right path. As Avid, Adobe, and Apple either don't release exact sales numbers or don't filter out by geography or industry, I've had to get a little creative. Quick FYI for this next part to make sense. A vast majority of broadcast TV and feature film production facilities in Hollywood get their editing gear from one of two places. Resellers, who can sell all of the gear, integrate it and make it all work together, or rental facilities who own the equipment but rent it out to productions and support it. I contacted several other resellers in the Hollywood area, as well as several rental facilities, and asked them to give me some insight as to what they were seeing. No surprise, across the board, Media Composer was still the dominant player in the broadcast television and feature film industry, by a wide margin, encompassing 80-90% of the market. However, once you move out of this niche market, Adobe became much more common, with Final Cut Pro X bringing up the rear. 
Also, out of the aforementioned Final Cut Pro Classic Fog, Adobe seems to have won the Switcher Award, as more folks in Hollywood moved from Final Cut Pro Classic to Adobe Premiere Pro, rather than to Media Composer or Final Cut Pro 10. This is the most important thing that I came across, is that a vast majority of facilities who have Media Composers are not adding many new seats. They plug along with what they have, only buying updates when it's necessary, and often they'll sit on older versions because upgrading doesn't give them enough new tools to warrant the change. Now, these same facilities, while not buying many new seats of Media Composer, are adding seats of Creative Cloud at a rate much faster than that of Avid. Lastly, and I can't stress this enough, Hollywood is not the only place to work and broadcast television or feature films are not the end-all be-all of creative visual storytelling. Hone your storytelling skills using whatever you can get your hands on, and I mean everything, and then find what sector of the industry satisfies you creatively, and then focus your technical chops on the tools found in that area. But be open to learning more tools, because the days of basing your editing career on one software solution are long gone. The video editing realm is only widening, and learning more is the only way to remain employable. I'm sure you have some input on at least some of these five things. Let me know in the comments section. Also, please subscribe and share this tech goodness with the rest of your techie friends. Check out more episodes of Five Things and all of your other great learning content at moviola.com. Until the next episode, learn more, do more. Thanks for watching.